Welcome everyone to episode 60 of Little Cabin Knits. Introducing sweet baby James, who you can hear. I startled him awake just now. Little Cabin Knits is a bi-weekly podcast all about knitting, mental health, advocacy, my new mommy journey, and life happenings here in the wilds of Alaska with a little bit of Huga sprinkled throughout. I'm your host, Emily. I'm a knitter, crafter, mental health therapist, and a new mom to my wonderful little James and explorer of my home state of Alaska. This week's episode contains administration, which will come at the end rather than the beginning, uh, a little bit of raise a cuppa, and then um, I think just personal skill set. I think those are the only three segments we have today. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Sit back, grab a cuppa of your choice. I'm drinking Fresca at the moment and cuddling with sweet baby James, but you can grab your knitting since you don't have a sweet baby James in your arms. Um, So sit back and let's enjoy the show. Well, welcome everybody. So I did say just a second ago that administration is going to come at the end, but there's a teeny bit of admin that I need to take care of at the front end. So with that being said, before you even continue listening to this episode, um, I do want to put a disclaimer out there or perhaps even a trigger warning out there. Um, My husband joins me for this episode, and we do discuss the entire process as, yeah, pretty, as, not as detailed, but, you know, we do go into um, a lot of our personal story around the birth process of sweet baby James, or little Jimmy, and that could be triggering to you if you um, have... um, a birth story of your own that was rather intense as mine was, um, then this this episode could be something that you might want to forego listening to. With that being said, I do want to say that I am going to be announcing the winners of the project down along at the end of this episode. So if you don't want to hear the story, um, I would skip ahead about an hour's worth of time. Yes, the story of the birth does take an hour. Um, uh, And then you can hear if you won a prize. And just so you know, anyone who entered in either via Ravelry or via Instagram won actually a prize. Everybody won. So if you entered into the Project Down Along, you are a winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, and you're going to want to listen to the end of this uh, episode. So congratulations ahead of time. Other than that, for administration, just a reminder, my name is Emily. I go as Andrews Mill Knits on Instagram and on Ravelry. You can email me at littlecabinknitsak at gmail.com. You can find most episodes on my websites, um, not exactly transcribed but as closely transcribed as I myself can make them and that website is betweenknitsandpearls.com. I also have a YouTube channel that I co-host with my knitting bestie Stephanie 
who is Farmstead Knits on Instagram and Ravelry. And you can find us on Between Knits and Pearls at YouTube. And just so you know, Farmstead Knits just uh, put out an episode, I think it was last week, a solo episode, nice and short and sweet, um, about 26 minutes long, uh, because I wasn't able to join her because I'm currently only today able to actually sit up. Um, and so it's been, and we're uh, a little over four weeks out from my birth uh, from the C-section event. So, you know, it has been a journey. Um, so there is that. And I think besides from that, I think that is it for administration. So if you are listening to this, I am going to quickly do another update, um, at the end of the one hour birthing story (laughs) to let you know what's happened since Mr. Radio and I actually recorded that story because it has been two weeks since we recorded that story. Uh, And so you can hear about that as well. Uh, Just giving you another further update as to how things are going. Um, But otherwise, you can go ahead and fast forward as of 30 seconds from now uh, if you don't want to listen to the birth story. So thank you. All right, my friends. Uh, So I guess this is sort of personal skill set segment, but uh, I have my husband, Mr. Radio, here. How you doing, honey? I'm fine. Thanks for letting me join you in our home. Yeah, in our home. (laughs) And like I mentioned earlier in the episode, I asked Mr. Radio to come on here to, you know, share from his perspective the whole delivery sequence of events and how he felt during all of it and you know and right right snuggled up between us we've got our little boy jimmy jimmy do you want to say hi or anything he's got his pacifier he's not saying much right now no but i'm sure at some point that thing will come flying out and he'll make baby noises yeah more likely he'll cry yeah because he's going to be hungry yeah he eats a lot he does he does so um on Friday, the... Oh, my. What date was that? Don't ask me to remember dates at this point. I, yeah. It's all a blur. I think it was the 18th because we, he was delivered on the 23rd. Um, Which was a Monday. Yeah. So that would that. have been 22nd, 21st, 20th? 20th. There yeah. we go. Okay. Uh, so on May 20th? Yes, May yes. 20th. Um, we went down later than we had been told we would to be induced. They had told us that they were going to induce us at about 4 p.m. on Friday. And we went down uh, right at the nurse shift change at 8 o'clock. They, they, um, our nurse Cliff and the nurse from the OB, which was, wasn't that, was that Diane? I think that was Diane. Um, I remember a lot of names. None of them yes. come to mind at the moment. I know. It's so true. Um, she had come up from the uh, de- delivery unit and was showing us down. And, and our nurse, Cliff, who was uh, uh, our main nurse uh, on the prenatal unit, went with us to make us all comfortable. And so that we got down there at about 8 o'clock. 
and tell them about our spacious room with a view, my love, that we were in for the next five days or so. So the second room, because we were in three different rooms yeah, at the, the sec- hospital. Yeah, the second room. Yeah, there were, there were no windows. It was an interior room, but they had these odd, like, stained glass uh, window bays that mm-hmm. had, like, fluorescent light behind them. So it, it's kind of stimulated, or simulated, rather, uh, natural light. And um, but it was so, to me, it was still really gloomy. It wasn't, I don't know. I mean, it was just a, a, a place for us to wait for baby. And um, because he had moved into the right position, we were still kind of hoping for natural childbirth. Yes. So as soon as we got down there, they hooked up my IV, which I, my IV port that I already, that I'd had for the past week. Um, they hooked me up to an IV drip of what is called Pitocin. Uh, which it which will, was that your epidural? No, that wasn't the epidural. That wasn't until the next morning. Mm. The pitocin was the stuff that um, in, induces contractions. Okay, right. And so they started me on a very low dose of about five. I don't know if that what that means. Five cc's or whatever that means. Your units per hour or something. But. Um, so they wanted to know right away, do you want do you want an epidural right now or do you want to wait? And I was like, no, no, I, I'm, I'm good right now because uh, uh, if, if this is what the contractions feel like, I'm okay. So they got me hooked up and, and Jeremy, meanwhile, was trying to make the room um, organized for our purposes. You know, he got you got to sleep on a very luxurious plastic couch. It was a, a pull-out Haida couch kind of thing, and it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever slept on, like, compared to camping in a sleeping bag on the bare ground, but, I mean, it wasn't great, but, mm-hmm. I mean, you were you were in the hospital bed, and you weren't exactly comfortable either, just because of the situation. Yeah. Is that guys, right, James? Yeah. You gonna say hi? Yeah. Yeah, bless you. Because you keep pushing out your pacifier. Yeah. He thinks he thinks he's hungry, but no, he, and so he keeps pushing us pacifier because he wants the real stuff. When I was on my walk earlier, uh, one of the neighbors had asked if I was sleeping yet, and he was kind of being funny about it because I had told Aww. him that we had a baby, and he recommended putting uh, rice cereal in the milk, which I've heard before. So why what rice cereal? I guess it puts him to sleep. So, you know. Okay, but what is rice cereal? Are we talking it's, about it's rice? It's like Rice Krispies rice or something. Krispies? But yeah, just uh, put that it in. That sounds dangerous. I don't know. <laughs> just something I heard. And anyway, so we're at the hospital, and uh, fast forward today, you get your epidural. And well, no. Uh, well, I was going to say, so all through that night, Jeremy got to sleep, but um, I, I was up all night because... The nurse would come in um, every hour or or less to check on me, and she would have me uh, move around. So at one point, I was on a a ball trying to encourage the uh, you know one of those exercise balls, um, and trying to encourage the 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 contractions to I guess speed up, um, and then they had me in a rocking chair for a little while, um, and then. I think I walked around the room because uh, you're able to move a bit. But also they they set me up right away with not only an IV drip, but a continue, continue, moder- continue 
monitorization no monitoring of Jimmy's heart rate because they want they wanted to make sure that uh well you can also tell if you're actually in active labor from the way that the baby's heart reacts as well and so they can tell that too so by the next morning at about 10 or so when uh who was it was it doc I think it was Dr. McCreary our actual OBGYN came to check on us uh we had been they had been actively increasing my pitocin level every hour and the contractions were still about 3 minutes apart but they were pretty intense contractions like and at that point, I hadn't slept all night. I was just exhausted, and the contractions were actually getting quite painful. So they decided at that point to put me on an epidural. Mm. You'd been so. a pretty good sport up until then, but uh, that's when you started using the swear words when that they were putting that in you. Oh my goodness, that was that was horrendous. You got through it, but yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, I didn't see what they were doing behind there. I was just in front, kind of, you know, trying to Holding guide you through on it. Holding to me, yep. yep. Yeah, and unfortunately, the guy who, uh, what, who, who was the guy? Uh, the, what was the guy's position that did the epidural? What was it? Esth- not esthetician. <laughs> Anesthesiologist. Thank you. Um, he was a military guy, uh, and he uh, spoke with no empathy, just all facts and figures, kind of a thing. And um, this is how it's going to be. But he also spoke incredibly fast and slurred his words together. So I was having a really hard time following anything. And when he would ask me questions, he would get frustrated with me because I couldn't understand what he would ask. So he would have to a- I'd have him repeat it to me. But I'm just like, hello, I'm having contractions every three minutes. And you're asking me these stupid questions <laughs> that I actually can't answer because you are making no sense. But anyway... Um, so an epidural goes, if you haven't heard, uh, if you haven't gone through it before, um, for this, they actually, um, put a needle into your lower spine, um, to administer the medication to your, um, lower, the lower portion of your body. Um, and it numbs your body from... Well, I let's. I think I felt like it, I was numb from mid belly down. Is pretty much what I felt like. And you didn't like that when you were trying to sleep. You said it was messing you up. Yeah, and also because of my bad leg situation, I'm sure all of the listeners know I'm a cancer survivor, and I've got um, my my right leg. I have no muscle in my right outer thigh. The entire muscle was removed when I was 18, and um, they removed my kneecap and scraped out all the cartilage there and um so um generally speaking um Jeremy and I are the only ones that I allow to even touch my right leg and uh, I'm always very hyper aware of my of my leg and how it's feeling and you know how it's reacting to the rest of my body and stuff but when you go on an epidural both of your legs go completely numb you can't feel them at all, and that sent me into panic mode. I, I couldn't, I couldn't take it. It was, it was too much for me, um, and so we actually had the, what was his, what was it, anesthesiologist? Mm-hmm. He came back in, and we requested that he take me off of the automatic pump, and that instead he put that he put the epidural on the lowest dose, and that it was, and that. 
uh, that I would administer it to myself um, manually you by had a pushing. Bu- you had a button. A, a magic button. Uh, and if I and he explained that I had to be very conscious of this because if if I went into active labor and I hadn't been you know giving myself regular doses of the epidural, then by the time I was in active labor, it would be too late for the epidural medication to be in effect and help me through that actual process. So I tried, but for the most part, I also tried really hard not to push the button. So, and then also later that day, I think it was that day, when was that the day that I had the burning sensation in my feet, in mm. my bad foot? It was because of the, uh, the numbness that yeah. Yeah, you had like a, a numb burning and you really were uncomfortable because of it. I actually started screaming, I remember, at that point. Um, because the, the burning was so bad and it was actually worse than my, the contractions were feeling. And so there wasn't anything they could do for me for that. They just, the, um, wait, no, actually the doctor came back in and they gave me those, um, pressure bands that, that she put around my feet and my, my legs because my legs had become so swollen. I couldn't even see my toes anymore. Um, right. Do you remember that, hon? No. The, the, the bands they put around my legs that continually. Oh squeezed. yeah, they would contract and expand yeah. and contract it to kind of stimulate. Uh, yeah, like uh, blood the flow, blood so flow you wouldn't thing. have it so pins and needlesy. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. They were like special plug-in socks. Yes, and they worked really well. I was actually quite impressed with how well those worked. Um, but during all of this. Um, because I am numb from my mid-belly down, uh, the only part of my body that I can move, and it wasn't even very easy to move, was my upper chest, head, and arms. I have oh. to give the dog a shot. Okay, so we'll pause for just a moment. Jamie, would you like to say hi to everybody? Hmm? <gasps> yeah. Hello. What are you saying there? You want your binky and you want me to give it back to you? Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, he's being super cute right now, even though you guys can't hear him being super cute. Okay, so as I as we were talking, um, we had to pause for a moment to take care of our dog who gets his insulin shot 15 minutes after he eats. He fell off the bed and landed on my foot. He was so excited. Yeah. He's going blind. Yeah. So that's an interesting scenario that we've got going on now that the baby's here. But um, as I was saying, the, the only part of my body that I could move was my upper chest, my head, and my arms. And even that, it, my that, those things all seemed extremely heavy. Um, and it was very difficult for me to move those things. Um, so what that meant was is that pretty much every hour, my husband and whichever nurse was on duty at the time had to maneuver my lower body into a new position. We so just th- grab both sides of the blanket and kind of shift you back and forth. Exactly. And uh, maybe sometimes they would put me on my back, sometimes on my side, sometimes they would put... Not on your stomach, though, for some reason. Uh, you know, because we didn't want to smush Jim Jim. I guess not. Yeah, or a little Jim Jim. Yeah. Um, but then sometimes they would have both my legs propped up on a 
blown up what, what Jim, Jeremy and I started calling it the jelly bean pillow because uh, it was in the shape of a jelly bean. A big jelly bean. Huge jelly bean. Yeah. Imagine if you were that small. About the size of my torso, I would say, don't yeah. you think? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, or they would have one leg up and one leg down, or, you know, they would just be trying all different kinds of positions. They tried this one p- position that was supposed to help um, speed up putting my me into active labor. I think they called it backwards cowgirl or something like that. And they, um, so they had two nurses come in to do that, and they... I can't remember the exact position they put me in. I do remember it felt like if I wasn't numb that I would feel extremely awkward (laughs) in that position, but it didn't help. So this went on for a good, what, three days, I believe. Well, a total of 53 hours. Well, okay, a total of 53 hours, but at about hour 48, um, Dr. Ward, who was on call at that time, came in and she said okay well things just aren't happening so i think you hadn't dilated beyond what the halfway point or so i think it was like three uh, or two Uh, no i think it was three at that point yeah i thought it was a little bit more like closer to a five but they they wanted like 10 or something oh that's right yeah yeah that's that's so hard to remember these things um oh and this so the so actually then i think at about hour like 32 or something one of the doctors came in and they um they put in a balloon in my cervix um to try to get it to open up open up more yes and i remember that now so what happened was is the balloon i think is full of water and there's uh they insert it deflated into my cervix through the through the actual hole that you know that i'm dilated through um and then there's um another balloon on the outside and they then put water they pump water into both of those balloons and the pressure from those two balloons is supposed to increase my dilation and that was in for i don't even know how long but it was a good while it was a good like six hours or more probably i'm thinking honestly i can't tell you but then even after that they i was dilated to about I think you I think you were right to about five at that point. And so then they came back in and Dr. Ward said, Okay, we're gonna we're gonna break your water because that should really get things moving. Because so far Jimmy he was still in the right position and he'd moved a little bit further down into my pelvic region, but he wasn't actively pushing to get out. They couldn't see that the contractions were actually inc- the you know, the contractions that they, I was being induced with um, by the medications was actually prompting Jimmy to actually go into active labor. So their thought process was, okay, if we break her water, then that will actually get her body moving and Jimmy will start actively pushing to get out. So they did that. So I think that was about at hour like 48. Um, but then by and now this is now hour 53 i think that was about three o'clock in the morning um or a little later um my nurse for that night was actually starting to become concerned because she felt like things were just not progressing and that i was actually kind of not doing well like my i myself was actually my physically i just wasn't doing well um 
And it was funny because she had come in and I was in the middle of one of my meditations um, because one of the things that I, I have on my phone is a lot of different recorded meditations that when I'm anxious, I like to try to run through. Um, and the one that I was currently doing was called circular breathing uh, to some bells that go off on on your phone. So when you hear one bell tone, you breathe in through your nose. And when you hear the other bell tone, you breathe out through your mouth with your with your lips pursed. And your, your whole goal is to empty, of course, your lungs as much as possible from your diaphragm. But I, I of course, couldn't really feel my diaphragm, so I had no idea if I was doing it right. But I knew that I wasn't doing well. I felt really out of it and off. Um, and my and that nurse that night was noticing just little things and and um, that you know, um, yeah, it was just little things that she was noticing. And so she went and called on Dr. Ward, and they had a conference, and they just decided that things still weren't progressing at all, even though they had broken my water and done the balloon pressure thing and we were changing my positions constantly um so they were like okay jimmy is down there but he's not moving and he's not trying to get out so their reasoning at the time was that maybe my hips are just too narrow for jimmy to actually pass through even as small as he was so they came in and they woke uh, jeremy and i up and jeremy do you remember lurching upright when i yelled out your name from was that at like 3.30 in the morning? Yeah. That was the morning of? Yeah. Yeah, that was a rude awakening. Yeah. Um, and they said, you know, um, if you're willing, unfortunately, things are just not progressing far enough. And we're, we're starting to get worried about you, Emily. So, and for baby, even though Jimmy was still showing all positive signs, his heart rate hadn't decreased at all or anything like that. But he, but they were noticing that, that he was being less active so they felt like he was you know just as tired as mommy was um so they said you know we think we just better switch gears and do a c-section and at that i mean you and i had what three seconds to decide what to do i wasn't really in any kind of mind frame i was still like i'd been asleep for you know two hours Mm -hmm. so i was really groggy but i mean the, we were just basing it on the recommendations what to do so yeah and so we said okay let's let's uh it went really fast from there yeah so why don't you well which part should we tell the c-section from my point of view first or from your point of view well i didn't really see oh. that much what happened from my point of view was they explained that you'd be going to a different room for surgery mm-hmm. and that i would need to be you know wearing uh scrubs Mm -hmm. and uh, which you looked so cute in by the way yeah (laughs) and there's a a movie that bill murray was in with jason schwartzman where uh it was like these were or scrubs oh are they i don't remember the movie but that (laughs) joke was running through my mind as i was dressed like that (laughs) but um i uh, they just dressed me up they took you away first and i think what was it like 5 a.m uh you were in there and no jimmy was born at 4 40 40 so yeah so like so 4 a.m just over an hour Uh, from, you know, being woken up in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And um, they escorted me in, and they were pretty much operating on you as I was escorted in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was very sleep-deprived, excited, uh, nervous. I was obviously, once I walked in the room and, you know, heard you 
screaming. I was very, you know, concerned. Mm. But it just went quickly. Like, I mean, all every every movie I've ever seen, you know, labor looks like it's this long, drawn-out process, you know, with mm-hmm. the ice chips and the passing out and the, you know. <laughs> And uh, maybe it's because of the cesarean, but it just, it went by in a blink. It was yeah. very quick. So I don't know, maybe you can uh, you you can fill in on what happened on your end before I arrived. But I mean, I just sat in the room by myself, you know, dressed up like a doctor, just kind of waiting around <laughs> until they told me it was time to go in. Well, and for me, um, they started wheel uh, the... the Again, not esthetician. Anesthesiologist. Thank you. That guy came in while I was still, while Jeremy and I were still in our, you know, luxurious quarters. And he, um, he took, he took me back off of the, um, manual, manual, um, application of the epidural and he increased it to its full strength and, um, he told me he was also going to increase it so that I was, it so that I was numb literally from my neck down. Well, which is not true because I could still move my arms, so it must not have been my neck down. Um, uh, and that he was going and he hooked me up to a bunch of other stuff. Um, some, uh, what's it called? Um, I think it's antibiotics. I'm not really sure. But there was something else. What? What's? Um, I was on this other thing the whole time I was on it. Is that we had been brought downstairs. It's not melatonin. It started with an M. The thing that I, the thing that I was on, that made things dangerous, that I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to stand up. Remember, once they I, put me on it. I don't know. Magnesium. No, wasn't it magnesium? Something like that. Magnesium. I don't remember, but it started with an M. If I remember, I will insert a little thing to tell you what it was exactly. But um, I had been on this IV drip the whole time, and it was for my safety, my health safety, that they had put me on that. Well, apparently, when you go in for a C-section, it's common practice to take the woman off of that drip. But because I wasn't interacting well enough, Dr. Ward felt it was too dangerous to take me off of that, so she actually nixed that protocol, which it was so funny because I distinctly remember the nurses and the anesthesiologist, did I get it right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Asking multiple times and asking people to just triple check, quadruple check that this was the correct order um, that I was to remain on that drip the whole time. I swear it was magnesium. I think you were on magnesium. Yeah. yeah. Okay, which um, made me, I remember when they put me on and it was before the epidural started too. And that actually made me super ill. Remember, I was uh, in a lot of pain. Yeah, you were, you were yakking quite a bit. Yeah. They were getting those little green sacks for you left and right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was the thing that kept on making me throw up spontaneously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that, was so the hospital much. food didn't help. No, but but I pretty much didn't eat for that fifty three hours except for I had Jello. I had Jello twice. I had a popsicle once, mm-hmm. and I think they let me. Oh yeah, they took me off of all the IV drips once so that I could eat crackers and cheese. Mm. Um, so that's that's it. Besides some water, um, and then they also didn't want me to drink too much water. But I was so parched and thirsty 
My lips were constantly chapped and my throat felt like I was walking through a desert. So I was always thirsty, but they, w- they wouldn't let me drink uh, very much um, okay. at all. Anyway, so um, so here we are. We're in the room. The anesthesiologist is in there. He's setting up all my IVs. I've got ports in both arms at this point, And I think three, at least three things going to each arm of of IVs and then they wheel me out and down the hall and it was a very short trip to the um to the actual C-section room it was yeah it, it was all in the same area in the hospital it was just like a hallway down yes and, you know through some doors yes and they got me in there and by the time they got me in there the epidural had worked so fast that I was already numb and so they moved me from the, the the gurney, the travel gurney, to the operating table. And they were setting everything up. And all of a sudden, I started feeling people, like, I could feel that people were moving my lower body around. and But I couldn't actually feel actual any, actual any um, tactile feeling, as in, like, yeah. Like it wasn't even my body. It was kind of like as if I, uh, like I was a soccer ball at that point, and that's when the panic set in. Like all of a sudden, um, I just had a panic attack like I hadn't had for a couple years. And actually, I think this was the worst panic attack I'd ever I've ever had in my life. Um, and I couldn't breathe. I just started um, thrashing around. My arm, my hands went and grabbed the IV poles that were at on either corner of my head, and I'm just. And so they they were putting. Um, so the anesthesiologist kept on saying, "I'm right here. I'm right here. What do you need, Emily?" And I just kept on saying, "I just need Jeremy." But they thought I meant. They thought I was saying I need Jimmy, mm. but I was trying to say I need you. But I but I was having a really hard time to even talk because I was panicked so much. And uh, so they used smelling salts on me at that point. And there was like three nurses right there. And, and I just kept on... I don't remember screaming, but you said that I was screaming when you came in. It was like I, moaning or, you know, you were definitely... Not, in distress. Yeah, you you weren't having a great time. Yeah, and... And it was just like, cause, uh, cause I couldn't feel anything below my my almost my my upper chest area. I just could not feel a thing. And yet at the same time, the sensation of having my belly being pushed back and forth was right there, like kind of like I was a soccer ball, like I said, and I was being passed back and forth. And I just I was panicking, and I was just like, this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not the way it's supposed to be. Where's my husband? And then you were there. Mm-hmm. And I, we, we locked eyes from across the room and you, and you were able to come to my side and I, I was able to start calming down, but I think I only got like, what, 30 seconds with you before all of a sudden Dr. Ward said, here's your son. <laughs> to my memory, it was at least a few minutes. It was? Um, maybe, okay. maybe closer to like four minutes, I would say. Okay. But I, I went in and they had the sheet up. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I didn't see what was going on down there. You could only see from my I, neck I, up? I, I could, I, I was up, you know, at the the head of the bed with you and, um, you know, just holding your hand and trying to get you to, you know, <laughs> remain calm while they were uh, doing their thing. 
And they were, you know, they were professional. There was like three or four nurses and doctors just like, you know, going through the cesarean. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, like uh, (laughs) they were just at work. It was, you know, if it was a pizza kitchen, they're like, all right, let's make this calzone. Who's got got the, you know, tomato sauce? But um, uh, so I was, you know, just kind of holding your hand and, you know, rubbing your head and, you Mm. know, stroking your hair, trying to get you to breathe and calm down and you know i was i think i was dry heaving at that point was i or was that later um i don't remember you dry heaving but so I, rem- I remember there was okay. a six sack nearby mm-hmm. just in case okay and uh four minutes in they just said here he is and they raised him above the sheet and you know he was covered in gray gunk super purple and he looked all pinched and stuff because <laughs> he was you know but um i think it was they had him out and then they 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 cut the cord separating from you, and they took him over to a separate table. Mm-hmm. And that's when you left. And me that's and when I, would, I left your I side because they wanted me again. to go. Yeah, and they wanted me to go to you know watch the baby. Mm-hmm. And um, so they cleaned him off, and he started crying, which is good. Mm-hmm. And um, which made me even more upset because now my newborn baby is in distress while i'm already in distress mm-hmm. and i can't see him because there's but, too many people right well but they you know they do want the baby mm-hmm. to cry because then you know the lungs are working right. and everything right yeah and um but in my panicked mind right. I was just you, like, you, you all are in my way mm-hmm. yeah so the nurses were in the way but i was like looking over and just smiling and giving a thumbs up you know because i was looking and he was healthy and you, you know a champion yeah two ten eleven ice fingers toes he was perfect <laughs> so uh he uh you know he they, they were cleaning him up they had me uh cut the umbilical cord you know mm-hmm. and uh that was an interesting experience because they said it was one of the thickest umbilical cords they'd ever seen i it was, know <laughs> it was about as big around as a hot dog yep and the, and I think that's why he was he had such good health the whole time. Whereas you know I was uh, I didn't really have good mm. health, but I'm I'm okay with that. Like yeah, but they they said yeah, it's like kind of cutting through chicken, and that, that's what it was like. Ugh. So you know, Ugh. but um, yeah. And then they uh, they wrapped him up, and um, you know they brought him over to you so you could hold him, and you were you know crying and happy and <laughs> dazed and. Just, you know, all the emotions that come with, you know. Yeah, and but then as soon as you and he were taken away from me again, the panic immediately came back. Right. They wanted me to go with the baby to the other room so that mm-hmm. they could, you know, measure him, do mm-hmm. tests. He was premature, so they you know, they wanted to check for, like, you know, jaundice and stuff. But Yeah. Um, and make sure his lungs were right, I think, yep. was the other thing, right? Right, so I I was gone at that point, and then you were left to you know they were getting you put back together because they yeah. just cut you open to remove him. Yeah, and from uh, uh, from hip to hip, they and, cut yeah, me. and th- and that felt like I was in the other room for half an hour, maybe uh forty five minutes until you showed up. See, and I remember that part feeling like it was taking forever because now you and Jimmy were gone. I was and you feeling were by com- yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll start crying here because I felt completely bereft and alone mm-hmm. while I heard all these people talking over me. Yeah. And again, me feeling like I'm this like soccer ball being pushed back and forth because now they're sewing me all up and everything and taking out my placenta and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was, so I, I was panicking something fierce again. And I, at that point I actually started dry heaving, I think. And, you know, threatening to like rip the IVs out of my arms and everything like that. So that was, 
<sighs> if you know. But once, but well, once you you were brought into the room, and once you got to hold him and everything, and, and once they had me off the freaking epidural, yeah, I started and, and, getting that feeling back mm-hmm. pretty quickly. Yeah, and it it turned into a nice experience. Mm -hmm. And I remember I kept trying to, like, you know, I I snapped a couple photos. I'm like, oh, I want to send these to my family. But we're, you know, we're in that the the bowels bowels of the (laughs) hospital where I don't have cell service. Like, I'm like, well, I really don't want to run away to send a text. Mm -hmm. So I'll just, you know, keep trying. And um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, we were we were down there for. I don't know, a little while longer. Mm-hmm. And then uh, eventually they brought us to a different room, uh, the third room of the trip, which was actually nice and, you know, had a view of the, the not a park, but like a, a green belt nearby. And no, 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 that wasn't yet. We went back to our old room. Yeah, and then, then we, did we stay there another day? I thought we, we yeah. were packed up. Nope. We stayed there uh, another like 36 hours because I had to be on the magnesium drip for another 24 hours after the the birth okay i thought i thought they moved us out after the birth nope nope we were still in in Mm. labor and delivery and uh but we had jimmy with us and um i was i was uh, off the epidural so i could move but at the same time i couldn't move because obviously i'd just been cut from hip to hip and uh so i was having a hard time with that and at the same time during all of this like i can't get out of bed so i'm on a catheter to go to the restroom and everything. Oh yeah, we had that scare. Yes, and so uh and and all this time they're also trying to help me figure out how to breastfeed Jimmy. Um and so the nurses were in there constantly to try and help us do that. Um but I think it was the next night the nurses were like, "Okay, Emily, you haven't slept yet since you gave birth." And so we're going to actually take Jimmy out of their room for a couple of hours so that you guys can actually sleep. And as so. much as I didn't want them to take him, I really appreciate it because we were exhausted. We were totally exhausted. Yeah. But the whole C-section thing, like from the moment the doctor said it, was probably a little after 3.30 until we were back in our room again for after all of the procedure and everything. It was like maybe 5.10 by the time we were back in our room, maybe 5.30. So like two hours the whole thing but i will say literally the scariest experience of my entire life i never want to experience that again and luckily with our medical procedures the way they are now it's not like in the old days where if you have a c-section once it just means you all your births after that have to be c-section so um nowadays you can actually have a natural birth a vaginal birth even after you've had a c-section yeah so but I, I also remember, like, the nurses were all just constantly talking about how cute, you know, the baby, baby is. Because he is. I mean, when he literally looks like the Gerber baby. Uh, I, I, I know we're a little biased because we're his parents. But um, seriously, has there ever been a cuter baby? If you guys haven't been on my Instagram, please go over there and take a look. There's lots of adorable pictures of Jimmy on there. Um, and I'm using the hashtag sweet baby James, um, as his hashtag. So you can find it that way as well. Um, but yeah, so we're back in the recovery room. We're trying to now figure out, you know, try to make that connection of father, mother, and child and baby now. And, um, 
uh, and we're trying to figure out how to breastfeed, uh, and he wasn't latching, which is a normal thing for a premature baby not to do. Um, and, um, I was still having a difficult time moving and stuff, and I was crying an awful lot. Like, your hormones just go crazy after birth. Well, and there was also the instance where they tried to get you to go to the bathroom. I can't remember if it was just to use the restroom or yeah. to clean up and you passed out. And that was scary. Yeah. So after 24 hours of being on the magnesium, they finally were able to take me off again. And what that meant was is that they could disconnect me from the catheter and they could try to help me move and, and use the restroom normally. And so our nurse came in and she had me um, use a, a lift uh, thing, a uh, device to lift myself into this weird seating position to take me into the bathroom and I remember getting into the bathroom and being put on the toilet and there was just so much pain and I couldn't understand what was going on and that was it uh, that was all I remember until I woke up in back in bed again and Jeremy was over me really distraught and um and he, I think you must have been holding Jimmy or something. I don't know if you were holding him. But from your perspective, though, what went on at that moment? When oh, that... they, they, the, the one nurse brought you in the restroom to use it. And mm-hmm. then I was just sitting in the chair and I was holding the baby. And um, so uh, at some point, uh, is that your mom? My mom might be here, yeah. But go ahead. So, um, I, I heard that somebody had buzzed, uh, the front desk and, you know, the, the voice on the, that is mom. Hold on guys. Sorry for all the interruptions, my friends. My father just brought over dinner for us that my mom made, which is ribs and macaroni salad for home, home cooked and everything. Yeah. Oh, am I squishing you, baby? But, um, oh. You gonna say hi? Maybe? Maybe? What's happening? Okay. Um, but Jeremy, you were saying somebody had pushed the button. Yeah, and well the so the voice from the nurse's station squawked is like, Hello, and I, I said, Oh, sorry, must be the wrong room, but it turned out it was the nurse in the bathroom with you because you had uh, gone unconscious. And she mm-hmm. goes, No, 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 we definitely need and then two more nurses came rushing in and they kinda helped you get up and get back to bed and you were completely out of it mm. and i just felt kind of helpless like i was sitting there holding jimmy but like you know i wanted mm. to help too but so they got you back into bed it was just very scary that you had lost consciousness and like i you know i i had felt really bad because prior to all this when uh you know we were woken up i had been pretty grumpy just you know from lack of sleep and stuff mm. and uh but you you kind of said i'm okay and you know we just we slept after that that they, they took the baby and mm. uh we rested and you know you were better the next morning but mm-hmm. or i guess a few hours yeah, later, later. Yeah. yeah there's no day and night anymore in, in i that. didn't even really remember anything mm-hmm. um it took me quite a while to actually even remember that i had gone to the bathroom right. um so but, you know, speaking of the bathroom, it took nine days for me to actually go number two right. after the C-section. It was terrible. Yeah, you were in a lot of pain for a while. Yeah. Um, but that's when, a few hours later, they actually took us to our third room. Our uh, Which was smaller, but it was it had, you know, 
real windows and a yeah. nice view and I mean the food was still terrible. Oh, of course. Same it was hospital. Absolutely horrible. Yeah. I got so tired of going to that cafeteria. Yeah. <laughs> but we were lucky in that we did pretty much have the same nurses there in the recovery unit that which they called the mommy and baby unit mm-hmm. that we had in the prenatal unit because I guess they share the same nurses there. They just kind of It was nice to have familiar faces. Yeah. But at the same time at this point We've been in the hospital, or I'd been in the hospital for about ten days or more at this point. Ten and, to twelve. Yeah, and yeah. I was I was just done. Uh, I and so and I was so grumpy. I just not with Jimmy, but with all the nurses and everything. And I started demanding that they let me go home. But then we ran into a complication because of, of Jimmy. Well, the first complication was is that I wasn't doing too well after the surgery and, and they wanted to monitor you yeah. yeah and my and and my blood glucose was still bottoming out quite regularly and so they were worried about that um but then what they were noticing was is with jimmy um he was doing well on all of these tests that they were having him do except for the billy rubens test which i think i'm calling that correct which measures for jaundice. Mm-hmm. And they noticed that his eyes were a little yellow, but that's really common with, uh, you know, pre- premature babies. That, and they also noted noted that it's common for uh, for women who were on Pitocin as well. Um, that because they were trying to induce labor. Yeah. So that that drug um, actually contributed to his potentially having jaundice as well. Which made me really upset because when they were explaining what the what the protocol was for a baby that has jaundice, I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. No, my son will not have jaundice. This will not happen. No, um, which is pretty much that, they, that the baby now has to be admitted to the hospital and put under these uh, special lights for a few days. And they're able to be taken off the lights for the mom to breastfeed or to feed, period. Um, But other than that, you can't touch him, but you can be near him, but you can't touch him when he's under the lights and things like that. So they had to continually test him for this, which required them to prick the bottom of his feet. And that would make me so mad because... You, he would just be screaming and screaming, and I was so, so upset by that when they would test him and stuff. Yeah, and when you went moved to the third room, I wasn't staying overnight anymore. No, you did stay. Didn't you stay the first night? No, no, I you, didn't. no I, you didn't. I I think at that point, I you know, I wanted to go home so I could uh, first off sleep in a real bed selfishly, mm-hmm. but also kind of i had a lot to do around here because he was a month we were, early so we, we were, were we were really the house wasn't ready for a baby so i had to set up a lot of baby furniture and you know move stuff around and honestly i wanted our, our dog was uh being dog sat by your brother mm-hmm. and his husband and that was great that they did that but i you know i missed our dog so i wanted to and he, bring and, him home yeah and watson is has now gone pretty much blind um the vets <laughs> confirmed that his cataracts are bad enough that now he can pretty much just see shadows he still gets around fine it's just yeah. we, we can't change the layout of the living room too much exactly yeah. but we did have a scary thing because while jimmy was being born Apparently, Watson had gone out to use the restroom, and my brother, who usually, you know, we, you know, 
watches we always say please be with our dog you know when when he's going to the bathroom and stuff don't just leave him out there um and normally he does that but i think my brother had been called away by his husband for a second and when he came back watson was just gone and he went on an adventure but yeah, of, of course hours your, your brother hours. your brother told me that he you know was just very scared because your folks live next to a bluff on the ocean and, you know, yep. Watson doesn't see too good. So he was really worried that they just find him somewhere. But um, they called the police. They yeah, were asking they, all the neighbors. They yeah. went down to the bluff and were looking. Mm-hmm. And there. so apparently, you know, and this, then he just showed back up like, yeah, your brother went down to check the yard at three in the morning. And there was there was the dog just in the yard, just looking up going, hey, how's it going? Apparently yeah. he had an adventure. So. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. But at that point, we were like, all right, so, Jeremy, you really do need to go home. You need to take care of Watson um, and, you know, get the house in order as much as possible. Um, And so I was left to take care of myself and Jimmy, which, honestly speaking, probably wasn't the wisest choice on our part because I, I couldn't move very well at all and... It was, uh, I, and Jimmy wasn't latching still, and the process of feeding him had become extremely complicated with donated milk and a tube system plus a nipple guard, and it was technically a two-person job to try to feed Jimmy, um, and that was happening pretty much hourly, um, and so I wasn't getting any rest, and so when Jeremy finally came back the next day, I just, I was bawling because I was just so exhausted. And yeah, it was, it probably wasn't our best choice to have you go home, but we didn't know that, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and stuff. So, um, anyway, so, but then they did make us stay an extra night, even though, um, they had actually technically released me, but, um, they... They came back and kind of took back the release because Jimmy's Billy Rubin's test had was fluctuating. It would go up and then it would go down and then it would go up again. And so they they didn't feel confident allowing us to go home until he got until he went back down again, which he did around midnight. But then of course we had to wait till the next morning for uh the doctor to come in and officially release him and the doctor to release me and that's when again dr ward who deli- i know you saying hi who delivered jimmy she came in and she gave us some news um that was rather distressing to to me but also made me feel like the whole c-section thing was actually rather more of a miracle than anything else are you hungry baby time for dinner. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get you some dinner. Okay, so what had happened was that they sent my placenta off to be tested after they removed it, and it turns out that it had become infected. So 
they informed me that it was actually a really good thing that we had gone the c-section route because if we had tried to continue with the natural birth vaginal birth i should say um some very bad things could have happened including death of jimmy um brain 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 dead i think is one of the things that could happen he could have gotten an infection i would have been very ill um all kinds of things and so it was very but they didn't know that at the time when they said, okay, let's opt for the C-section. Um, they just knew things just weren't going right. Well, it turns out that I was showing the signs of my placenta being infected. Um, and so that's, so it was a really good thing that they decided to change things up there. Um, so all that being said, we finally were set to go home and we were able to go home and Jeremy got us all loaded up into the car, and as we drove out from the hospital, I just started bawling, <laughs> didn't I? Yeah, yeah, you're very emotional. Because it was the first time in 14 days that I had been outside those hospital walls. It was the first time I had seen, you know, fr but when I went into the hospital, there weren't any leaves on the trees or anything. It it still didn't feel like summer yet, and when I came out of the hospital, it felt like full-blown summer had had come. Well, yeah, when you went in, we still didn't have, yeah, leaves on the yeah. trees yet, and then it was, like, all grown in yeah. when you got out. Two, yeah. two weeks, it, it moves fast here in Alaska. And, you know, I, I knew that the leaves were blooming, because I could see them outside of my, my room, uh, both in in my in the pre pre-delivery place and in the post-delivery room. But I don't know. It just—it was just something completely different to be out in it, and you know, I was—I had no medical personnel around me. It was just my husband, my baby, and me, and I just—I became very emotional. <laughs> it was just lovely. Um, but we have had some difficult times um, adjusting at home. Um, my C-section um, incision had become infected. Um, we had to go to the emergency room once because um, I was in incredible pain and in my vagina area, which wasn't normal. Um, and they found out that I had an infection there, which we still don't know why I had a UTI. Um, and then a few days later, or maybe a week later, uh, all of a sudden my C-section started to bleed in the middle of the night. And we opted not to go to the emergency room that night, but they took me in to, the to see my doctor the next day or to go to the, my doctor's office the next day. I didn't see my doctor. And it turns out that my C-section um, scar had become infected, but you couldn't actually see the infection uh, until after they had taken away the um, skin glue that they had uh, covering my scar. So the whole time they'd been checking my scar and uh, or my incision and they thought everything was fine when really it wasn't and I was infected and yeah and uh, I was in incredible amounts of pain and so it's been a very slow healing process and you know I kind of expect more of myself than I do and, and then I'm able and Jimmy is lovely um, and he's very strong he's already lifting his head up a lot huh honey he's He's very vocal about his needs and his wants. I'm just startled when he thrashes about like he's a squirmer. Yeah, he's a squirmer, definitely. And he doesn't technically, I don't think he techni technically likes being swaddled. 
Well, he likes to get his hands free when that happens. Yeah, he, he's Houdini. He gets his hands free when we when we swaddle him. But I don't think he really likes being swaddled. And one of the things that is been kind of challenging is is that um, if uh, I'm holding him and I put him in um, one of the bassinets that we have in the house, either or bassinets, we have one in the living room and one in our bedroom beside our bed. Um, Jimmy will immediately start fussing or just start wailing. But if Jeremy <laughs> puts takes Jimmy from me and puts him in the bassinet, we get a couple minutes, huh, Jeremy? Yeah, of, I don't know. He, he relaxes. Yeah. Uh, but he definitely prefers to be A, held, and B, held by me in particular. But we've had lots of good snuggles we do a lot of skin to skin therapy because i think it's good for both jimmy and me and i you know try to get jeremy to do it uh, you seem to have some kind of blockage around this idea of skin to skin with your son i'm fine just holding him my arm is skin your arms it's different it's it's different the connection you know of more full body contact between the two of you it promotes more of that innate connection between the two, you know, rather than anything else. And so, you know, and then, you know, we spend a lot of time with our family, um, I, me in particular, because uh, of my infection and Jim, Jeremy has to go to work every day. And so my family has been coming and taking care of me and Jimmy an awful lot. So we've been spending most days over at my parents' house which means that Jimmy gets a lot of grandpa and grandma cuddles as well as cousins and his auntie um, or aunties if my my little sister can be in town too but uh, and uh, my older brother as well so you know it's it's been really good and yesterday Jeremy and I celebrated our third year anniversary from the very first day that we had our date so different than our wedding anniversary, yes. which we won't have our first until September, but right. yeah, three years together. What a ride. Yep. And who knew three years ago that this is where we would be today? I mean, I think we both dreamed about it mm-hmm. and we would talk about it, but I think the reality of us being where we are today is vastly different from the daydreams that we had kind of discussed, huh? Yep. <laughs> you are so talkative this evening. Well, there's ribs on the table, and we're sitting here recording a podcast. It's I hard know. to concentrate. I know. Your fans are will be disappointed. You haven't made very many of your corny jokes and things. Hit yeah, corny jokes are for people that get a full night's sleep. That's not happening these days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and poor Jeremy, because uh, it's very difficult for me to move. Um, and so during the night... Jeremy is in charge of warming the bottle and getting me any supplies that I need, such as, you know, diaper supplies and things, which, you know, we are still going to do the cloth diapers, but at the moment, because he is so tiny, he actually can't fit into the cloth diapers that we have for him, which are for newborns, Um, but he is so tiny that he can't fit into them. They just fall right off, even on the smallest adjustment that I put them on. So he is doing the the throwaway diapers at the moment. And unfortunately, he's never latched well onto my breasts. And so it's meant that 
we have had to forego the whole breastfeeding process and he is now strictly on the bottle, which makes me very sad. I'm still trying to process through that because I feel like that's an experience that one of the greatest experiences of being a new mom is, you know, being able to breastfeed and something that I'm that I'm missing out on. Um, but Jimmy does very well on the bottle and uh, he's growing quite fast. So he was born at 4.40 a.m. on the 23rd of May and he was six pounds, six ounces. He quickly lost um, weight and he, by the time we were released from the hospital, he was down to five pounds, five pounds and 12 ounces. So our goal was in the first week that we had him home was to get him back up to his birth weight, which we succeeded in doing. And, um, would, but it did call for a lot of like hourly feedings and really, tra really trying to push the whole, like he needs to keep things down, um, and everything. And so, um, but I guess maybe, maybe should we have you tell of your experience with uh, newborn baby poop? Oh yeah, it's like uh, it's like some kind of grease that you would find inside a CV joint of a vehicle. It's really thick and okay, tarry. Okay, so, so you're talking to knitting women here, honey. Uh -huh. We're not going to know what that means. Okay, well, <laughs> it's just it's not like any poop I'd ever experienced before. Mm -hmm. It's like tar. Yeah, it, it took many wipes, many yeah. many wipes. Yeah, and uh, it was not something that either one of us had ever known about before. We had no idea that that was a thing. And to tell you the truth, there's so many things that I, uh, you know, I thought I was prepared to be a mom. I, I was feeling a little bit confident. I wasn't feeling terribly confident, but I was feeling like, you know, I, you know, I've been around the block. I'm 40. You know, I've got quite a few nieces and nephews and all this kind of stuff. I'm, I'm pretty darn confident at my ability to be a, a mom. Well, that confidence has disappeared and I... I'm constantly uh, worried about one thing or another and constantly asking questions of my mom and my sisters about being a new mom and am I doing this right or what, what does this mean and I don't understand this or what, how, do I, how do I manage that and uh, it's just it's been quite the learning curve that, I, that, was un, that was not expected, let's just put it that way, but it is still very welcome and we are very happy. It's very, very, very tired, huh? You can't even you can't even talk anymore. You're so tired. Oh, I'm fine. Just uh, just sitting here. Yeah. So, thank you guys for listening to our birth story, and we hope it wasn't too graphic for you. But at the same time, we wanted to, you know, share with you the reality because, uh, you know, one of my followers, actually quite a few of my followers over the years, they've mentioned that one of the things that they really appreciate about about my show is that I don't don't hide the reality of life and I, I don't sugarcoat things and I I uh, you know I share what what life really is rather than you know that that um, social media glamour that that people generally put out there and so um, I hope this was useful to you and I thank you guys for listening to our story do you want to close with anything honey let's eat Let's eat. Okay, let's go have those ribs, shall we? And Jimmy can finish his bottle.
Okay, so just a final update as to how things are going. Um, I actually didn't listen to the entire hour of Mr. Radio's and I interview um, about the birth story, so I'm not positive where I ended. But the update currently is that Jimmy, or James, is doing very well indeed. He's growing like a weed. He is now four weeks and one day old. And um, he's currently sleeping in my arms. Today is one of those days where he does not want me to set him down even for a second. And um, I'm a little bit tired because I only got about three hours sleep last night because he wanted to feed every two hours. And it took it takes about an hour and a half to feed him and get him to go back to sleep um, each time. So, you know, it's... It's a long process every night. Um, Anyway, but I don't regret it. I absolutely adore my little man. He's wonderful. And as for me, I currently have attached to me what is called a wound vac. You might have literally just heard it go off. Um, It is a contraption that uh, is sometimes prescribed to people whose... um, surgical wounds or maybe even not even surgical wounds maybe they got a wound in some other uh, like uh, they got hurt in some other way but for some reason their uh, wound is not healing properly and um, it's the healing process is like sometimes even reversing so they're regressing rather than progressing in their healing process and that's kind of the case with me. Um, my C-section incision um, became infected, I suspect, just almost immediately after when I was still in the hospital. But they didn't actually find it until two weeks after I left the hospital. And they found it because I kept on complaining and demanding that they look at it. And um, telling them just how painful everything was uh, beyond what... I was told to expect and uh and I have a really high tolerance for pain. I mean seriously high tolerance for pain. Um currently I am not on any uh pain meds. Uh, well, they've given me pain meds. I have prescriptions for them, but I only take them when I go in to the doctor and cuz I know that they're going to be poking around my area down there and I know that it's going to be even more painful when they do that. And so that's the only time I take the prescription because I don't want to become addicted to uh, a substance. And the pain medications, even though I've asked repeatedly to be put on something that is not an addictive substance, they keep on prescribing me things that I know as a mental health counselor and as a addictions counselor, I know from personal experience working with people, I have had numerous clients who have become addicted to these substances, mainly from uh, having surgeries and things like that, and then being prescribed these prescriptions. And so I am very leery uh, of these things. And so I will literally only take them if I absolutely have to. Uh, That being said, so my pain tolerance is super high. um, And I was still complaining to them that it was really, really, really painful and something just was not right. And finally, they removed the skin glue that they used to hold my incision together. And they discovered underneath the skin glue that I had a pretty serious infection. 
And um, so things progressed from there. They tried um, reopening my incision uh, and kind of like pushing out uh, all of the bad fluid and stuff to see if that would help um, with my healing process. And it didn't. It actually kind of just made things worse. And so at that point, they referred me to the wound clinic at my hospital. And the wound clinic people were pretty darn appalled at what they found um, as far as my incision and my healing process. And um, they said that they would recommend me going on this wound vac. So the theory around this wound vacuum is that you um, create a... um, a localized suctioned is sectioned off suctioned area of your body that is if you want to say contaminated whatever and you attach it to a contraption that essentially sucks uh, creates a, a consistent sucking motion um, so that by doing so it will remove contaminated fluid but at the same time uh, aid in the um, progression of of the wound closing on itself like uh, kind of as if it was being stitched together by again perhaps you know skin glue uh, or stitches if you will Um, and it also aids in the reproduction of healthy cells Um, so um, all that being said the wound clinic was like yeah you really need this you you need to get your doctors to prescribe it uh, it took me three days uh, of seeing my of seeing every single doctor in my OB clinic, except for my actual OBGYN because she's been on vacation since all of this started, um, for me to finally get it through their heads that they needed to prescribe me this wound vacuum. Um, and because they just kept on saying, no, 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 I think it will just heal on its own. And finally, after I saw four out of the five doctors there, um, I finally got them to admit that um, things are not progressing, that um, and I'm actually becoming anemic from loss of blood from bleeding consistently for three weeks. And so they that doctor finally was like, okay, nope, we're going to do this. And so as of yesterday, I went into the wound clinic and they I guess you could say surgically put the wound vacuum on me. I mean, it's not a surgery uh, at all. It's just consisted of a crap ton of surgical tape around my wound and then inserting the tube into a certain section of that. And now I wear like a purse around my neck, the contraption, and I have a tube coming out from my waist that goes into the contraption. And you can... The, the tube is clear, so you can see the disgustingness that is coming out of my wound, um, which has been kind of interesting because my husband now sees the disgustingness <laughs> of it, you know, and, um, you know, it's interesting because I, you know, I, I tell my husband every day that I'm in pain and that I'm exhausted and these kinds of things, and I think at, at some point over the last four weeks, he just kind of was like, oh, this is just Emily at this point. Um, and so we, he, I, it's not that Mr. Radio was being insensitive or unempathetic or anything like that, but he had just heard it so often that he just started to just kind of shrug off my quote-unquote complaints, my daily complaints. 
And then yesterday he came home from work and my mom had brought me back home after taking me to get this put on. And he saw the contraption and everything they did to my belly. And he was like, holy crap. And I was like, yeah, this has not been fun. I do not feel good. And I hurt an awful lot. However, on the flip side, um, I actually find that I'm in less pain now that I have the wound vac on, that I am able to actually sit up. I've been sitting up most of today, cuddling with James, and feeding him, working on some paperwork for work. I'm not working. They actually won't actually allow me to go back to work until um, um, at probably eight weeks after, so mid-July after the surgery. And so I'm currently on the Family Medical Leave Act, which means that I am on unpaid leave, which is a stressor for us as well. As you guys will all know, most people in the world now live paycheck to paycheck. We are like that in our household, unfortunately, and it's really frustrating. I mean, we do the best we can, and I do save money very strictly, and we do have a tiny bit of savings uh, left, but that those savings were specifically meant to pay the medical bills and to take care of Jimmy when he arrived. However, now I'm on FMLA, so it's going to have to be rerouted to keeping us afloat until I go back to work. So things are things are a little stressful as far as all of those things are concerned, but it's not. I mean, it's not something that we can't deal with or that I feel resentment about. Um, it's just sometimes I, 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 I wish that I was healing normally because at four weeks out, according to everything I heard from everybody else, I should start, I should have by now started to be able to move more freely at this point, uh, and be able to feel like my old self almost. Uh, and right now, I mean, it's kind of as if I had surgery yesterday that's that's how bad things are you know so um it's going to take me even longer um so yeah that's about where we're at but James has been a rock star through it all um if I get super frustrated um it's never at Jimmy it's always at myself and my own physical incapacity at this point And there are times where I will refuse to pick Jimmy up even when he's crying because I have so much frustration targeted toward myself that I don't want James to feel that coming off me if he's, you know, sitting in my lap or in my arms because I'm one of those people who very much do believe that feelings can be felt by those around you. Um... They're felt, observed, whatever you want to call it. And even though my son is only four weeks old, um, I do believe that he is absorbing those feelings from whoever is holding him at any given time. And so I'm striving very hard to be always positive when I'm in physical contact with my son. Um, And so there have been once or twice where... Um, I've had him in the bassinet and I've just been like, nope, uh, I just, I'm sorry, my love, I can't pick you up until I've calmed down. And so I go through some meditations, uh, mindful moments in that moment to try and calm myself down, which is rather difficult to do when you have a baby who is screaming and uh, quote unquote crying um, to be held or fed uh, or changed his nappy. 
and you're feeling horrible because you're like, I'm not a very good mom at this moment because I'm not taking care of my baby. And then at the same time in my head, I'm like, I can't take care of my baby until I've taken care of me and make sure that I'm in a good space to be working with him. And so uh, it, it makes the, the mindfulness moments, uh, techniques, and things that I, that I generally find pretty um, second nature to me. Uh, they are more of a struggle to to utilize during those times, but I do use them and they are working. Um, sometimes the best thing for me to do currently is um, to stand um, at, on my back deck uh, so I can still be within like three feet of Jimmy when he's in his living room bassinet. And I'll just stand on my back deck in the sunshine and do my deep breaths out there because the sun is so rejuvenating, right? It just makes you feel so good. Uh, and Jimmy always understands. It's a, it's a, almost as if as soon as I touch him, uh, he's just like, oh, okay, mom's here. We're good. We're okay. And he just stops crying. It's almost instantaneous ev- almost every single time. It's amazing. Um, and we have, we do a lot of singing, him and I. I sing to him an awful lot because when there's moments where, um, well, there. I just sing to him all the time. Who are we kidding? Uh, but especially at night when I do the feedings and I'm trying to get him to calm back down and go back to sleep, um, I sing a lot of songs. So if you guys follow me on Instagram, you might have seen over the past couple of days me posting some videos of me singing to James. Um, I love Neil Diamond. Uh, is one of my favorites, and so I sing that to him a lot. I sing a lot of Don Williams, who is a country singer from back in the 80s and 90s. And Don Williams is hands down my favorite singer of all time. Just absolutely adore him. I also sing a lot of Kate Rusby songs to him. Kate Rusby is a folk singer out of England or the UK. Uh, I sing a lot of Dolly Parton to him. I think he finds the song 9 to 5 kind of rejuvenating. It's probably more that I just get so into the song 9 to 5 that he just he just giggles or you know makes little cooing noises whenever I sing it to him. It's so funny. Um and who else? Uh Oh, I sing Sweet Baby James to him. All of a sudden I've forgotten who sings that and that is terrible cuz I absolutely adore him too. Holy crap, who is that? All of a sudden, I've got Dwight Yoakam in my head, and I, I by far way out of bounds. Dwight Yoakam is completely not who sings Sweet Baby James. And I'm not even sure if that's really the name of the song. Um, anyway, I sing a lot of songs to him. Um, I sing a lot of the soundtrack to Pirates of Penzance, uh, The Happiest Millionaire. If you haven't seen The Happiest Millionaire, I think it's on Disney Plus now. I highly recommend going and watching it. It's one of my all-time favorite Disney movies. Um, it is a slow start to to it, but give it a half an hour after you start it, and you will absolutely be hooked, line and sinker, sink, uh, hooked, and you'll want to watch it over and over and over again, uh, and so on and so forth. Yeah, so I sing a lot to Baby James. So, so that's the update as of since the last time that uh, Mr. Radio and I recorded. So <laughs> thank you for listening thus far. I know that this episode has been very long. And so now we will move on to 
the um, administration of prize giving away. All right, prize get, uh, prize announcements for the project down along 2022. I am so excited for this, my friends, especially because every single one of you that entered um, either on Instagram or on Ravelry, the, the thread on Ravelry, you won a prize. And and mainly the the reason why you won a prize is because of two wonderful people. My very good friend, Alexandria, or Alex of Wii U Knits fame, um, you know, pattern designer. Oh my gosh, she's just so amazing. Um, uh, she, she was on Between Knits and Pearls about a year ago, ago for an episode, um, and we interviewed her. That was so fun. I should have her on this episode, uh, on Little Kevin Knits, though, too. We should do that. Um, she and I usually get together um, for, we have dinner and then we knit and chat. We, we haven't done that, um, a lot because of COVID. And then of course I just had a baby, but hopefully very soon I will be able to see my friend and maybe I can convince her to come on little cabin knits and talk about just anything and everything because she's just a fascinating individual. And so we'll see, but right now for her work, she is a researcher of, uh, insects. I know, I know Alex, I am not, I'm not, I can't even think what, what the actual term is, but, um, she specializes in beetles and right now it's summertime in Alaska. And so she is in her extremely busy time and she's out in the field a lot. So it might not be until late fall that we're able to get together and maybe have her on the episode. But anyway, she has given away eight, um, eight patterns of your choice from her collection of, uh, of designs. Um, and so we have eight people for that. And then our very good friend, Knitter Cat, um, she donated two skeins. And so we have two winners of that. And then I donated two sweater quantities, and we have two winners for that as well. And so I'm super excited about all of this. So let's get into um, who won what. So first we're going to go through the pattern prize wins. And if you hear your Ravelry or Instagram name, please get in contact with... um, Actually... Uh, I'm just going to message you guys. You won't even need to get in contact with me. I'm just going to totally message you guys because uh, Alex has already given me the promotion code for you guys to go and get a pattern of your choice from her collection on Ravelry. So if you hear your name, either go to your Ravelry inbox or go to your Instagram um, message box board and you will find a message from me Enders Mill Knits with your promotion code all right so with that being said we have Cindy Cindy Lou Who 12 we have Harkness Angels Knitter Cat we have the Crafty Keller and all of you guys those are the people who won from the Ravelry thread and then the following four people won on the Instagram, uh, using the Instagram hashtag. And that is 
TJ Prestwood, Brooks.Creative.Corner, Prof Pearl, and Shauna Stitches. So you guys all won a pattern of your choice from Alex of We You Knits, and I'm so excited for you. So congratulations! All right, so the winners of the free uh, the the skein from Knitter Cat are as follows. So this is how you guys have to do this. If you hear your name being called, you need to message Knitter Cat. I'm going to spell that out for you in just a second. On Ravelry, give her your address and she will send you a skein from her own personal um stash, which I just think is just so wonderful. Um, all right, so you will be messaging Knitter Cat, which is spelled K N I T T E R, capital C A T T. All right, and the two people who will be uh, receiving those skeins are Knitting Bandit One and Knitting Ish. So congratulations, my friends. You both have won a skein from Knitter Cat. And again, I really want to thank Knitter Cat for those donations. You are just absolutely tops and aces in my book, my friend. Thank you. Uh, oh, she's also Knitter Cat on Instagram. So maybe you can, if, if, if you're not on Ravelry, you can message her on Instagram too. Uh, lastly, the two sweaters quantity winners, we have, so you will message me, Anders Milnitz, either on Instagram or Ravelry, please, 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 I would prefer you message me on Instagram, because right now, um, I'm, I mean, I'm never on Ravelry at all right now, so, um, if you want to, want me to send you your prize at any fast pace, you'll want to message me on Instagram. So, the winner of the Sweaters Quantity of Knit Picks Lindy Chain in the Harbor colorway is our good friend L.M.E. Cole, C-O-L-L. So, my friend, I know you follow me on Instagram, so you can message me there. And the winner of the Sweaters Quantity of Knit Picks Stroll Fingering Weight in the Thunderstorm Tonal colorway is Willow... Uh, I thought it was Willow Trees yarn, but I have written down here Willow Tress yarn. I'm pretty sure you're Willow Trees yarn, and I just entered your name in wrong into my spreadsheet. So, uh, Willow Trees yarn. And I happen to know you're also on Instagram and a good friend of mine. So, please uh, message me on Instagram, Willow Trees yarn. And I will send you your sweater's quantity if you send me your addresses. And that, my friends, is the closeout of the project down along 2022. If, uh, if we want to make this a yearly thing, it seems like it was really popular for a lot of people. But not everybody actually entered into the contest to win things. So um, I'm thinking that maybe we do it again next year, starting January 1st. And... Uh, see how many more people we can get engaged in doing this uh, because it sounds like a lot of people were really motivated to finish a lot of these quote-unquote old projects that had just been lingering on their needles for so long or maybe just a day or two. <laughs> um, and for that, uh, I'm really excited about because it certainly did motivate me. I finished over eight projects that were old and I actually have forgotten how many projects I ripped out. 
but it was quite a lot. I know it was over 10 that I frogged, knowing that I would never finish them. A lot of those being socks, you know. So I'm just not in a sock knitting mood right now, which is ironic because I'm currently knitting on socks. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> I say that and then I'm like, oh, but I'm knitting on socks. Hey, Jim Jim, are you saying hi in your sleep? Yeah. And so those are the winners. And so until next January of 2023, that concludes our project down along. Thank you, everybody. A time for Hugo. Well, my friends, I actually decided to include this little segment at the end here before I sign off. Uh, because I noticed that I mentioned my mindfulness um, techniques that I utilize uh, quite a few times in this episode. So I thought I would actually leave you with one of my um, mindfulness breathing techniques that I do. Um, the one that I particularly enjoy is actually called uh, round breathing or bell breathing. Some people call it bell breathing. Um, and I can't uh, I don't have the technology at my fingertips at the moment to guide you through that one, uh, but I would look that up if I were you. It's very soothing to do uh, just when you hear a certain bell tone, you breathe in through your nose, and when you hear uh, another bell tone that is usually a lower tone, you breathe out through your mouth with your lips being pursed. Um, another technique that I have utilized for many years, many, many years, and I actually for a long time didn't think that it was actually working well for me. Um, however, in the last couple of years, I've really recognized that it is uh, quite useful and productive for me to, to utilize this, which is called square breathing. I think the reason why it wasn't working for me before was because I was putting so much pressure on myself that it needed to work immediately and I needed to be able to be an expert at doing this technique right away. And so before I tell you about square breathing, I want to please ask that you give yourself grace, give yourself gentleness as you learn this technique and you allow yourself to make mistakes or to not be able to do it as um, wholeheartedly or as um, with as much strength as maybe you would prefer. Um, and just know that it's something that will grow with you with time. And the more that you utilize it, the better it will be, um, the better at it you will be, and the more likely your body will be able to recognize this as the soothing technique that, that <coughs> oh, that hurt, ow, that it is meant to be. All right, so what is square breathing? Well, square breathing is uh, a mindfulness breathing exercise where you breathe in through your nose for a certain number of counts, then you hold your breath for that same number of counts, as in your counting in your head. And then you breathe out through your mouth, pursing your lips as if you're whistling. Um, and you breathe out for one count longer than you breathed, uh, breathed in for. And then you hold your breath again for the original number of counts. And you start over again. You breathe in for a certain number of counts, hold for a certain number of counts, out for one extra count, and then hold 
for the original number of counts. So what I would suggest you do, if this is the first time you've ever done this, is to start out very small and have your count your numbers that you count um, be a small increment, like say three. Breathe in for three counts, hold for three counts, breathe out for four counts, and then hold for three counts. And so um, if you would like, uh, I will um, guide you through that right now. So I'd like you to just go ahead and find a comfortable position to sit in. I suggest having your feet planted firmly on the ground. If you're sitting, just you know, uncross your legs and plant your feet on the ground if possible. Uh, maybe shake out your arms so they're nice and loose and at your sides. And just set down whatever you're doing for just a moment. It only takes about a minute to do this exercise. So it's not, it's not a big commitment. And, you know, sometimes I even like to stretch my neck a little bit before I do it. So I'm doing that now, just stretching my neck. Okay. So now I want you to just feel the breath as it moves in and out of your body as you breathe normally. Feel where it travels to in your body. You feel it in your chest, filling up your lungs and your uh, you feel, do you feel that your rib cage is expanding as you breathe in? Or do you feel it in your belly as it fills up your diaphragm and your belly expands in with the breath in and out and, and deflates with the breath out? It's okay, whichever one you gravitate towards, allow yourself to just ease into that area of your body. And as you're ready, I'd like you to close your mouth and breathe slowly in through your nose for a count of three. When I say go, and your mark, get set, go. In, two, three, hold your breath, two, three, breathe out, Pursing your lips like you're whistling. Two, three, four, and hold. Two, three, and repeat. In, two, three, hold. Two, three, out. Two, three, four. Hold, two, three. One more time. In, two, three. Hold, two, three. Out, two, three, four. And hold, two, three. And now just sigh and let your body relax. Do you notice anything different in how you feel? Perhaps your eyes feel brighter and wider. Perhaps your lungs feel like they can take in more air. Perhaps your limbs feel looser. Or perhaps your mind feels clearer. Whatever it is, just be grateful for that experience. And you can go back to doing your normal daily life activities. Thank you guys for joining me for this Huga moment, this mindfulness moment. 
and uh, I really appreciate you joining me for that. Well, my friends, our time has come to a close yet again. Thank you for joining me for episode 60 of Little Cabin Knits. This uh, episode is called Sweet Baby James. And thank you for being there as I went through my, uh, as uh, Mr. Brito and I discussed our journey through the whole birthing process. It was brand new to us. There was a whole lot of unknowns and we were kind of scared at a lot of points. Um, But we did trust in the professionals that were around us and I'm glad that we did. And that we have our sweet baby James, hello sweetheart here to in the world with us now and he sure is a blessing yeah his family on both sides just can't believe how precious he is yeah and so until next time uh next time i believe if i don't have any knitting to report i do have a tiny bit of knitting that i could have reported on today but i didn't but in for the next episode 61 if i don't have much to report on then i think what i'm going to do is take you on the journey of all of the beautiful things that uh, James and myself have been gifted from all his knitting aunties and crafting aunties out in the community Uh, and he has been incredibly richly blessed I mean very very blessed Uh, and it is just beautiful and he uses everything all the time Uh, some things he still has to grow into but Uh, the things that he can utilize now he utilizes every day all day long don't you my love yeah Uh uh-huh you do and so until next time my dear friends remember to knit what you love and love what you knit ta-ta for now